Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, rockin' America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 131 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring you know who. Hello! Yeah, that's my 11-year-old daughter. Person noob, comparatively new to being alive, just as I am comparatively new perhaps to you, to studying soccer. But we're going to learn all about it all over the world and learn about a lot about the world together as we go. We're here to add a little oddball comedy to your soccer podcast lives. But more importantly, we're going to surround that with previews of the most important matches worldwide. But as we define that here on Team Noob, top flight matches from literally any nation on earth, big tournament matches as well. If it's important where it's being played, whether the league is from a big country or a small one, it's on our radar. You'll see. Plus, we have This Is Mappa podcast co-host Tassos with us for a final match, for the final match preview this particular episode, one of our three bonus matches, as well as to interview him about all things late season football in the top flight in Cyprus, the subject of his podcast. I believe it's time number four we've had him on, and we are so appreciative to have a real guest on our quasi-fake show. This week's matches will cover... From Friday, uh, April 14 through Thursday the 20th. We kick it all off right now with... Match number one! Our only Friday match, and we do always run things chronologically, is right here in our neck of the woods. I say our if you are in fact from the Western Hemisphere, and specifically within the CONCACAF region. We're headed to the Division de Honor. No idea if that's the Dutch pronunciation or not, but it is the Caribbean island of Aruba. It's the top flight there. Now, Kick Algorithms, which is a site I like for looking at rankings within CONCACAF, does not rate a great number of the leagues at all because they don't get enough international play to warrant a meaningful one. And Arubas happens to be one of those. Nevertheless, when there's a really important match being played somewhere, important where it is being played, it is on our radar. Now, the regular season is already done. They played a single round robin at 10 matches. They are now in the second stage or what is called there the Kaya, K-A-Y-A, Six, in which the teams play a double round robin and the points start completely over. All you had to do was finish in the top six out of the 10, make it, and you've got just as much of a chance on paper anyway as anybody else. Right now, they are three matches into the Kaya sixth stage. The top four teams from this one will make the next Kaya. The points will start over once again, and then the top two will go and have a final series. Seems like they could probably cut out that Kaya four, but what do I know? I've never been to Aruba. In terms of international play, it's unknown just how many uh, 
teams will get to go from a variety of the amateur and semi-pro countries' top flights into what's going to be called the Caribbean Cup. But we'll find out down the road. Suffice it to say that it'll probably at best only involve the winner of this league, and they may still have to play in some kind of preliminary tournament to qualify to play against the professional leagues. Your matchup is number one RCA versus current second place Britannia. RCA lead Britannia by just one in the table. When they played in the regular season, the first phase, if you will, it was RCA that got a home win 2-1. And we will start with the home team, RCA, as is our tradition. It stands for, uh, well, the full name of the club is SV Racing Club Aruba, and they play out of the capital city of Orange Stad, historical behemoth. They have won 20 league titles. Last one was 2019-2020. They've made one appearance in the former Caribbean Club Championship, which is interesting because at the very least in more recent years, that has been for professional Clubs. So I don't know if the format of that tournament was different back then or if Aruba's used to be a professional club. In any event, they finished in third place in the first round's group stage in 2007. Twice in the 1990s, they got to play in what is now known as the CONCACAF Champions League. They never made it past the first round, though. Last year in league play, they made it all the way to the playoff final before uh, succumbing to a club called Dakota, spelled the same as our two U.S. states, North and South, 6-4 to four on aggregate. This year, they won the first phase, regular season, if you will, by two points over a club called National. Uh, they did it. Uh, they've got a very good offense getting over three and a half goals per match or almost three and a half, I should say. But the defense is where they really sparkled. They only gave up just over one goal per match. And that was number one in the league that allowed them to tie for the number one goal differential teams current form. They are unbeaten in their last four and have won three straight wins. And now Britannia, their nickname is actually uh, Paradera, which means parade in Dutch. I don't know how the etymology translates uh, into why the census area or district where they're located by that same name is called that. But I can tell you it's in the north central part of the country. The settlement or large village that they actually play in in this area is called Piedra Platte, about 2,500 people there. They've won four league titles, been a decade since they won the last one. They have also played in the CONCACAF, or not CONCACAF, but Caribbean Club Championship, both in 2005-2006 and then the 2007 edition. They finished in just fifth place in the regular season, so obviously good enough to move them through, and they're having a much better Kaya 6. They're very well balanced, top three offense, top two defense, and third best overall goal differential. Those are stats from the first phase. Team's current form, again, they are red hot, 7-0-1 in their last eight. Match number B. That's right. Number B, person noob, I have taught you well. Join our revolution and replace the phrase yuck, number two in your lives. Be much more couth. Why not? We all know that that one's bathroom talk and we would never, ever do anything uncouth on this show. I assure you, we are a classy bunch. All right. Match number B. See, there it is in action. Major League Soccer, where the top nine teams from each conference, that's one more than last year from each one, will get to go to the playoffs. From league play, the two conference winners, plus the best non-conference winner from the regular season, 
and the MLS Cup or playoff winners, they will all advance to the CONCACAF Champions League. But we're like maybe a quarter of the way through the season is all. Nevertheless, it's not too early to start standings watching. And there's a great one with number B in the West, St. Louis, taking on number one in the East, FC Cincinnati. And you can catch this at 8.30 p.m. Apple TV. And yes, St. Louis City, that is an expansion side. They had a team in the USL Championship last year and still do. And now their major league team is in action. I wonder what kind of strategies you use as a new team. We might be about to find out. All right, we start with St. Louis. They uh, have a key player tied for number three in league scoring with five is Joao Klaus. He is a Brazilian who plays center forward for them. Now, rather than give you a full preview, I've actually gotten a request from Joe Outclass. I'm very surprised he was familiar with the show, who uh, wants my help sending out and translating because he is from Brazil and naturally speaks Portuguese. I think maybe some German as well, but I can do a little bit of Portuguese just because I speak Spanish and they're fairly close. He wants to send out a long distance dedication. Yeah, I guess Casey Kasem style. Don't worry. I won't try to do an impersonation or anything, but let me do my best here uh, uh, with this. Just bear with me. All right. Here's what he's written. Joe Alklaus, St. Louis City. Dear New. FC Cincinnati's head coach, Pat Noonan, is from eastern Missouri, where I play professional soccer. I'll never forget meeting Pat Noonan's mom. I was lost driving one night, ending up at a Waffle House in East St. Louis. I asked a classy lady in a halter top and clear heels for directions to the interstate. She said for $5, she had a map she could give me, but it was inside in the men's restroom. The short order cook glared at us as Pat Noonan's mom took me to the stall. There was no greater St. Louis area map, but she did give me directions to her secret garden. She put a paper seat cover over the lid and the tenderest love was what we made. Well, outside of the fact that we cracked the tank and she kicked the door partway off the hinge. She offered me change for the fiver, but I politely declined. The interstate, she said, was actually just over the next hill, but that I should not forget the exit number so that I might make my way back to her someday. Then she climbed into the pack back of Pat Noonan's dad's car and drove away with him into the night. I've never made it back to see Pat Noonan's mom. Noob, could you please play the sweetest song you know for how I feel? For Pat Noonan's mom. Thank you. Joao Klaus. Joao, here is your long distance dedication. Hey, remember that thing way back where I said we never did anything uncouth? I blame Joao Klaus for that. Completely. We are not going to, I, I wash my hands of that entirely. That was uh, not good. Let's give you a, re a real mini preview for the Cincinnati side. Uh, this is a very young club. Uh, they fa were founded in just 2015, came up to Major League Soccer from the USL Championship, the second division. In 2019, they won the USL Championship in their very last year there in 2018. 
Last year, Major League Soccer in the East, they finished in fifth place and lost in the conference semifinals. This year, they're the only undefeated team left in the East. No more wooden spoons for these guys. They have been finishing last or nearly last every year pretty much until last year. They're very well balanced. It's not a high-scoring conference right now, but they have a top-five offense getting one-and-a-half goals per game and the second-best defense going, giving up just over a goal every other match. Tied for the third-best goal differential. I don't think that they're going to struggle to make the playoffs this year. Key players to look for. Tied for number one in clean sheets, their goalkeeper, Roman Celentano. He's got five of those already, just 23 years old. You wonder how long they'll be able to hold on to him, maybe before a European team comes calling. He's also fourth in the league in save percentage. So that shows you that while he's very, very good, yes, that the team in front of him, the guys you know on that back line are doing an amazing job. But their best or most valuable overall player outside of that might be uh, Junior Moreno. He's a Venezuelan, plays central midfielder for them. Two goals, one assist. Pretty good this earlier in the season. 93% accuracy on his passing. That is incredible, even for a central player where there's a lot of danger with those passes. And he's a great dribbler as well, so he may or may not get a ton of assists, but he's definitely the guy that gets the attack started. He comes here after having spent four years with DC United, and he's earned 37 national team caps uh, back in his home country. Team's current form, they have won three straight, and all by either 1-0 or 0-1 scores. Match number three. I still can't get over that gamesmanship from Joao Klaus, Pat Noonan's mom. Oh, that's that's rich and delightful. All right, match number three. I think we need to get away from all that, get a little bit of distance. Let's head off to Asia and say hello to the Martyrs A division. That is the top flight in the country of Nepal. It is the 36th ranked league in the AFC. Uh, Puts it maybe just within the top two-thirds of the countries there. The winner will go to the AFC Cup first preliminary round. Now, the AFC Cup is the secondary international club tournament. The teams are vying to get there. there. It's not exactly an equivalent of the Europa League. We'll get into the particulars another time. Nepal. They're about halfway, or I'm sorry, just over a third of the way through their season, your matchup. At the time I scouted it, I think that this uh, has a good chance of changing by the time you hear it. But number one, Manang Marshyangi, that's a team noob, uh, all-time favorite, because I used to work with a guy from Nepal and from the Manang district. And so he talked me into being a fan of theirs. They are playing host to number B, Joala Kell. Uh, currently, Manang leads Joelikel by one, and they also have a match in hand. Two more teams are one more point back, and they also each have a hand, uh, or a match in hand, rather, on Joelikel. So they're going to have a bit of a tough time maintaining that position. Uh, Manang, they actually don't play in the district for which they're named. They play in Kathmandu now. It's not even the first place they've played, but neither one was in Manang. Their founders are actually from that district, which is in the north central part of the country, really high uh, elevation even for there. It's basically a big village. Uh, Manang is the name of the uh, district and Marshangi is the name of the major river there. They have got an 
absolutely beautiful crest. And yes, I'm biased, but still uh, circular blue blue lettering just around the inside edge of royal blue. The uh, outline of the mountains that's centered uh, is cupped by green laurel blue and green that are both deep don't necessarily go together all the time, but they work great in this instance. This team has won eight league titles. 2018-19 was the last time. Part of the reason it's even been that long is because this league hasn't gotten to play straight through every single year in recent years. Uh, one, uh, a couple of those times was due to a massive earthquake that ruined a lot of infrastructure there. They've actually played in what is now known as the Champions League, League in Asia one time. They made that appearance back in 1988. Twice they played in an event called the President's Cup, which doesn't exist anymore, but it's a former third-tier international club event. They made the final stage of that in 2014. 2019, they got all the way to the group stage of the AFC Cup, the one that they're vying to get into now. Last year, they finished in fifth place. This year, they are one of two remaining undefeated teams. The offense is good. The defense, very good, giving up just over a goal every other match on average. And they do have the number one goal differential. These are your favorites, both today and to win the league. Top 10 scorer for them with four on the year is Kofi Timothy Kodo from the country of Togo in Africa. And then tied for second best in the league in clean sheets is a homegrown product, Deep Karki. Uh, he just came over from a club called Sherpa Club that is a, a little further ways down the standings, and he's made four national team appearances all last year. Team's current form, they just had a three-match win streak snapped, though, a 1-1 draw versus, or rather, at number eight, three-star. That's usually a team that's much higher in the table and probably will be once again. Now, Jawalakel, they play out of a subdivision of that name within the city of Lalitpur in the uh, central east part of the country. In uh, Nepal, Basa, that language, the name of it means, uh, Jawalakel meaning, rice-throwing field or rice-throwing place. It refers to uh, cooked rice that is offered up for uh, sacrifice, for lack of a better word, in the major religious festival there in the area. They are known as the Zookeepers, which is really cool, I think. They've got to be the only team in the world with that particular nickname. The only zoo in the country is there. I don't know if it's in that district, but I know at the very least it's in Lalitpur, and I'm pretty sure it's in Jawalakel. They've never won the league title, at least since 2000. I couldn't easily find any record prior to that. 2011, they finished in third place, best I could find they'd ever done. Last year, they finished in ninth place. So this seems to be really rarefied air for them. Their defense, it does. I don't think they're going to be able to hold up, quite frankly. They are below average in that regard. But they do have uh, a top two offense getting one and a half goals per match. And they do have a top 10 score with four on the year in Fode Fofana from the African nation of Guinea. Team's current form, uh, a 1-3 loss that they just suffered at home against Nepal Army. That snapped a three-match unbeaten streak for them. Match number four. Onward into Sunday we go. Match number four. We visit the Cameroonian top flight called the Elite One, which is a 20-team league that's actually divided into two divisions. They play separately up until the playoffs, and the top two from each of the two groups will, in fact, make those playoffs. This is the very unlucky number 13-ranked league within uh, the African Confederation. I say that because it is the top 12 that get to send two instead of just one teams to the Champions League, so they are almost there. 
The regular season in this league is almost over. Your matchup is number B, Gazelle, versus number one, Bambutos. Bambutos currently lead them by one in the table. That is in group B. Uh, Gazelle, in turn, they lead number three, Fovu Club, by four points. So they're not out of the woods yet. Uh, Probably even getting a point here at home would be enough to you know, send them well on their way into the playoffs. Now, that's all I'm going to tell you about these two teams this particular time because this is the time of show that we traditionally, uh, or I, decide to remember that I got to pay for uh, college for little miss uh, at some point person new, presuming she wants to go, and I certainly hope she does. think it's a fine thing, but it's expensive. So we cheat, we gamble, and to help us in both of those endeavors, we turn to our 3,500-year-old in-house prognosticator, the holy oracle that is Noobstradamus out on the Thracian plains of Greece, ready to give us a drug-aided or drug-addled vision. What say you, O mighty soothsayer? Unfortunate that we weren't able to get a hold of Noobstradamus for the second week in a row. Must not be much uh, coverage for him there in Cameroon. But I do recognize that song that somehow we were picking up. Do you happen to remember when the iPhone 6 came out? I think that was the one. Uh, Yeah, that's the crazy good song by a modern-day bard from Cameroon, or what they call Griot, he's now based in France, named Blick. Bassy and that song that was in the ad that you heard a little bit of right there in the Bassa language from uh, his home is called Kiki. Really fun tune, fun bit of trivia related to the area. And I guess we'll uh, try to catch up with Damus next week. Match number five. After a fun week of tracking, as is so often the case on this show, you get Monday off. We have fewer matches to choose from. We get things kick-started again on Tuesday, match number five. We head to UEFA for a Champions League quarterfinal match. Second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie. This one's a little bit for the burgeoning or newer fans like me, but I think even veteran footy fans might learn a little bit about a couple of players we've got our eye on. We're talking about Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Real Madrid won the first leg 2 Nil. So very much advantage them even on the road. The winner will get to play either Manchester City or Bayern. Series between these two, at least in recent years, Real Madrid have accrued a 4-1-2 and record. You can see this iteration at 3 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern Time on CBS, or if you prefer Spanish language, VIX Streaming. Chelsea, they are the number three ranked club in UEFA, but not based on how they're doing this year, at least in league play. Uh, nevertheless, that's where they are. They have won two Champions League titles. Uh, the more recent one was 2020-2021. They qualified for this year's event uh, by finishing in third place in the Premier League last year. They advanced to this round over Borussia Dortmund 2-1 to one on aggregate. Currently, they are only in 11th place in the Premier League. They are not headed back to Europe unless they win the whole shebang, and that's just not feeling really likely. Their offense is not in form. They can't even get a goal per match on average in league. They do have a top four defense, but overall their goal differential is just below average. They are who they are. Uh, Their goalkeeper is a very special player, a veteran. Number one goalkeeper in save percentage, Keppa 
Well, that's just what he's known by, Kepa. I won't even try to pronounce the long last name in Spanish. Uh, he is top 10 in the league in clean sheets with nine and then made 13 national team appearances since 2017. Uh, outside of him, their most valuable player is probably right back Reese James. He's got a goal and an assist despite playing a defensive position. 90% accuracy rate. That's very good for that position. And he brings the ball up well. 70% dribbling success rate. That's really incredible. He does tend to play up a little bit and be somewhat offensive-minded. When it comes to interceptions and clearances, he's a little bit below average compared to other uh, officially defensive players. And he's made 16 national team appearances over his career. Team's current form, they are 0-2-3, and they haven't scored in their last Four matches. Uh, they just, uh, they've got relatively new American ownership and they just fired their, uh, their manager pretty recently and brought in superstar manager for the interim in Frank Lampard. Now, Real Madrid, the Maringis, the Vikings. I never hear anybody on the air using those nicknames, but I find them in writing all the time. They are the fifth-ranked team in UEFA and are deservedly so. 14 Champions League titles to their credit credit rather, and they qualified for this event, not that they wouldn't have anyway, as the defending Champions League winners. Uh, They were also number one in La Liga last year. That's the top flight in Spain. Last round, they beat Liverpool 6-2 on aggregate, another Premier League team that is uh, performing well below their usual expectations. Tied for number four in event scoring from this team with six is Vinicius Jr., Brazilian winger, just 22 years old. Uh, Earlier in his career, he was critiqued for uh, a lack of goals, but I mean, he would have basically been a teenager. Takes a little time to develop. Uh, He's a fairly small guy. Uh, Certainly not very uh, heavy, like in the shoulders, if you will, but uh, explosive acceleration gets up to that top speed very quickly. Uh, Currently, they are currently a distant second in their league to Barcelona. The defense, I can't really say it's let them down. They're giving up less than a goal per match, but it is their offense where the bread is getting better, getting over two goals per game. Key players, number one overall in the league and number B in scoring with 14 in the back of the net is Kareem Benzema, their 35-year-old center forward from France. Very good passer. And for a guy in his that plays so far forward, he gets a lot of blocked shots. That basically that means that, you know, if there's a rebound kicking around and the other team tries to clear it, he is keeping it in the opponent's third of the field a lot. And that is very much to their advantage. He's almost got a hundred national team appearances through last year. Second best player in the league overall and tied for third best in assists is Rodrigo, another Brazilian right winger, 22 years old. Five goals on the season, 13 national team appearances back home for him. And anybody who makes the Brazilian national team is really good. There are some star players in the world that just about can't catch a sniff of that particular roster. It is so elite. Key players to look for here, number one in accurate passes per 90 minutes, and by a lot, getting nearly 90 of them, is Tony Cruz. I thought that was a really interesting stat. Center, central midfielder, uh, German veteran. He's also number one in accuracy for long balls per game. And then number three in blocks per 90 minutes is Adair Militao, another Brazilian. He plays center back for them. He's also got four goals. Team's current form, they are 3-1-0 in their last four, and they gave up no goals in any of those wins. 
It is the kitties who rule the roost around here. And those gritty little you-know-whats, they want a recap of last week's matches. Well, that's fine. We can give that to them. Here we go. Match number one last week. A Saturday match for Major League Soccer. Number three in the West LAFC versus number seven in the West Austin FC. The home team, oh, they laid the wood. 3-0. That dropped Austin down to number nine. Match number B from the top flight in Mexico. Number four, Club de uh, America versus number one, Monterey. And it was America getting the home win, climbing up a little bit to number three with a 2-1 win. Match number three from England, the Premier League. Number five, dreaded Tottenham Hotspur versus number six, Brighton and Hove. Albion, and unfortunately for us, as we do not care for Tottenham, uh, two to one was the score they won for Brighton and Hove Albion. Key player we said to look for Lewis Dunk had a goal. Nevertheless, they lose and drop down to number seven. Match number four from the second division here in the States, the USL Championship. Another Western Division match. Number B, San Antonio versus number one, Sacramento Republic. They played to a nil-nil draw. No change in the table there. Match number five from the Bundesliga, Germany. Number four, Freiburg, the latest challenger for number one, Bayern Munich. Uh, they appear to give him a fight, only lost nil one in home. Uh, for Bayern, it was Jamal Musiala who had the assist. Possible moment in the match we said to look for. Freiburg, they dropped down to number five. Match number six was from the Division de Honor from the Caribbean island of Martinique. Number B, Club Colonial taking on number one, Club Francis Gain. Hey, we go everywhere. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Francis Gain cemented their lead with a nil-one win. Colonial dropped down to number three. That's the second week in a row that Francis Gain has uh, taken down the second best team. And I think they're going to do the same again next week as another contender tries to step up. Tuesday, match number seven from the Champions League in Europe. Quarterfinal, leg one between Benfica and Inter Milan. And it was Inter Nazionale getting the nil to win. Nicole Varela had a goal. Man, we said to look for. Wednesday, match number eight from the A division in Nepal. Number four, Manang Marciani took on number three, Sat Gobato. And it was the visitors getting a nil one win. Match number nine from the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie between Atlas from Mexico and Philadelphia Union. And boy, I caught this one on TV. What a back and forth matchup this was. The result was a 2-2 draw. Philly had won the first one, 1-0. One that means they get to advance on. Congratulations uh, for Atlas. Guy we said to look for, uh, Julian Quinones. He had the opening goal. Nevertheless, Philly advanced to three on aggregate. Match number 10 from the top flight in the Republic of Georgia, the Erov Nuli Liga. Number B, Dinamo Batume took on Dinamo Tbilisi, who are leading the league. And uh, the result was a 2-2 draw. One of my favorite names ever. Sounds like a superhero for Dinamo Batumi. Flamarion from Brazil, the singularly named. He had a goal. No change in the table there. And now your bonus matches with explanations to come later. Route of the week was a Friday match from the Premier League of Bangladesh. Number 11, last place, AFC. Uttara took on number one, as they always seem to be, Basundara Kings. And they played to a 1-1 draw. So much for a being a route. Congratulations, Uttara. Uh, but you're still in last place. No change in the table for either of them. Your most meaningless match of the world was from the Premier League in Lesotho. Number eight, Machoka taking on number nine, Lipkaho. And Lipkaho, boy, they travel well. They got a 1-4 win and changed places with their counterparts in the table. And then finally, your match of Disappointed. A Sunday match from Albania's top flight, the category of Superiore. Uh, number 10, last place, Castriate took on number nine, Belis. And it got postponed. Last week, officials 
were threatened with their lives by supporters if they did not disallow a Lassie goal that was at Castriati. Their fans are the ones that are problem. And then these refs were threatened either before and or during the match. And so they simply refused to work any longer. So I don't know what's going to happen with this. They're going to have, at the very least, they're going to have to consider playing uh, this match and maybe other Castriati ones behind closed doors with no home fans. That concludes your matchup of last week's, your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive back in to previewing the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Aminos, Aminos, Aminos for on my plate. No. <laughs> I'm going to eat all the... No. Oh, we might not be able to eat this one. What is the animal that you picked for today that is at the very least critically endangered? The fossorial giant rat. Wow, fossorial. That's a fancy word. It means digger or burrower. Okay, so it's a rat. It's a rat that likes to dig. All right, I kind of, sort of thought maybe all rats did, but I guess maybe not. Now, what is the status of this? I mentioned that it's at least critically endangered. Tell the folks what I meant by that. A uh, critically endangered and possibly extinct. Um, yeah. Yeah, we mostly only know it now from like fossil records. Nobody's seen it in quite a while. Nearly as I could guess, nobody's seen it since like two thousand eight or two thousand two. But, you know, given that the countries that it's from are very, very big and there's lots of places it still could be, but due to loss of habitat, um, it may not. Uh, and where are they found? Uh, they're found in Argentina and Brazil. Oh, all right. What sort of landscape do they like? Uh, savannah. So like a uh, mixed woodland and grassland, uh, but not anywhere where there's like a dense tree canopy. Okay. So the sun's got to get through to the ground or they're not liking it. I think that's because of what they eat. I did some research, and uh, there's some very specific, uh, I think, uh, salty, saltwater, briny plants that they like to eat, and that's just not going to exist uh, in the rainforest the way that they have, uh, the way that they have developed. And uh, we don't, so we don't know much about it. In fact, I can only find a picture of it—the one you saw when you picked the animal. Can you tell us what it looks like? I got a big head, hidden ears, small eyes, and it has a pretty short tail compared to the body size. Gotcha. So it's big compared to its cousins, basically. And the phrase I remember seeing when I was looking up stuff on it was that its head was described as robust. And I thought if you were describing a person that way, that they had a robust, uh, a robust skull, I think that would be a polite way of saying, Mr. You've got a misshapen head. It kind of looked that way from the uh, picture, didn't I? I thought it looked more like a, a hamster or a guinea pig almost. What did you think? Kind of like a hamster. A little bit. Did anything else strike you about that in the drawing that we saw of it? It looked ancient. Yeah, the drawing. I think that was because of the small eyes, probably. So we don't know a lot about this, and therefore we don't know a lot about any efforts that might be going into uh, trying to do it, uh, save it. Normally we like to look at uh, pictures of babies here at this point, but again, I just couldn't find any. Uh, I couldn't find any photos. Have you seen any photos? No. So we couldn't find babies to ooh and all ah over just the one drawing. I hope it's still around, if for no other reason than someday, you know, we'll be able to see. You know what it what it looks like for real, and it would be a pleasant surprise for the people that do the research. But on the other hand, it's hard to not think like, well, if it's gone, you know, 
It is just a rat, isn't it's it? It's a beautiful rat. A beautiful rat. So we wanted to come like back. my cat. Come on, Ray. Your, your cat is a dog, not a rat. That cat thinks it's a dog. Yeah. All right. So that's all we've got. This has been a very abbreviated version of Aminos from around the world that I will eat if they ever no. find them again. Bad dad. Rat burger. No. Match number seven. Wednesday, we get into a match from the women's side of things in the English Women's Super League, which is the fourth-ranked league in all of Europe. As such, they get two teams into the second qualifying round of the Champions League and one into the first qualifying round. There are only two qualifying rounds in that event, by the way, and only four teams the entire continent get to start in the group stage. So this is a very good league, and they are rewarded well for it. Number one, Manchester United taking on number three. Arsenal is your key match. Matchup and key indeed. Check out this table. What a race. Manchester United 41 points, Chelsea with 40. Arsenal and Manchester City are at 38. And by the way, Chelsea and Manchester United, they actually have a match in hand on the other two. So it's a little bit advantage then, but still, what a four-team race this is going to be. I thought that at least one of the Manchester teams would fall out of this entirely by now, but they are both right there. To that end, Manchester United, when they played Arsenal earlier this season on the road, they actually got a 2-3 win. And the series between these two the last couple three seasons, perfectly even, three one and three records. Manchester United, incredibly young club, founded in just 2018. They do not play where the men do, but rather in the greater Manchester area in a suburb called Lee, which is about 15 miles outside the city. 40,000 people there. It was a big coal town, but now it's, a, I suspect, largely a sleeper community, a lot of residences and retail there. Last year, this team missed out on the postseason, finishing in fourth place. And in fact, that's where they have finished every season in their young existence. This year, boy, are they looking to change that number one offense and defense goal differential. These are your favorites today and in general for the league. Tied for number three in league scoring with eight on the year, Alessia Russo, English striker. She is tied with teammate Leah Galton in that regard. Left winger with three assists on the year. And yes, NWSL fan, she played in the States for at least one season, and I want to say a couple, with what is now Gotham FC. Another key player to look for, tied for second best in assists in the league with eight, is Ella Toon, attacking midfielder, who also has three goals. But I think that it's on the defensive side where you'll find their most valuable player. Second best statistically overall in the league, according to the FOP Mob app, that is Spanish right back Ona Battle. At least I think that's how you say it, B-A-T-L-L-E, maybe uh, Batye. One goal eight assists. Uh, she's a very good dribbler, so clearly she likes getting involved in the offense, playing as a bit of a wingback, but she also tracks very, back very well and gets a lot of interceptions. Team's current form, uh, they've won three straight with a very impressive 11-1 goal differential over that stretch. And now Arsenal, just like their counterparts today, they do not typically play where the men's side does. They play in Meadow Park, which is uh, is in a suburb that's about 12 miles from London proper. I think it's Boreham Wood. The club is a 
comparatively a very old one founded in 1987. And with those extra years, they are the most successful team in history in the country. And they're ranked number seven in Europe. They've won 15 domestic league titles. 2018-19 was the last one. Lots of Champions League appearances, as you would guess. And they even won it back in 2006-2007. Very well balanced. Top three offense, top two defense, second best overall goal differential. I do think that no matter how this match turns out today that they still will be the team that finishes at least in second place in the league. Keep players to look for. Uh, the sixth best overall statistical player is Frida Manum from Norway. She plays central midfielder for them. She's actually not a terribly accurate shooter, especially given that she plays uh, or, or a very good passer, I should say for a central position, but she's an incredibly accurate shooter and she shoots for volume. So it's not based on a small sample, seven goals, two assists on the season. And she likes to get physical, a almost 70% tackle success rate. That is crazy good. Uh, tied for second best in uh, accurate passes per 90 minutes with almost 70 is their center back, Lottie Wubben Moy. And then goalkeeper is a strength for them. They've got a veteran in Manuela Zinsberger from Austria. She is second best in clean sheets and in save percentage, both having come over within the last couple of seasons from Bayern Munich, who are now very good as well. Teams current form, they have won three straight, and that includes a 2-0 win that allowed them to advance to the next round of the Champions League over Bayern Munich. Match number eight. More Wednesday action, and we head further east into Europe into one of the continent's newest member nations, Kosovo. We're going to go minnow watching in their FA Cup. They've reached the semifinals, and there is still a second division team left alive. By the way, the top flight in Kosovo is the 33rd ranked one in all of Europe, so a fair bit below average, and yet for such a tiny nation, that's really good. Teams from as low as, I believe, the fourth tier got to participate in this event. The winners will get to go to the Europa Conference League and get to start in the second qualifying round. Your matchup from the second tier, Vustria versus from the top flight, Pristina. Pristina won the first leg in this home and away two-legged tie, two to one. So Vustria have a little bit of ground to make up for, but hey, at home, certainly anything is possible, especially when you've got an intimidating name as they do, like the Gladiators. That's one of my favorites. And they are 100 years old as a club this year. Happy birthday. This is the oldest club in the country, in fact. By the way, uh, Vustri is about uh, 30,000 people strong, north central part of the country. It's known for potatoes and a lot of other vegetables of that sort uh, and a lot of stonework castles and bridges. This is a big architecture and archaeology area. This is the most hated club in the country. Their fans are incredibly verbally abusive to visitors. Apparently, this is on my bucket list. I would like to get there just once, to, even though I won't understand what they're speaking almost certainly. I think I'll be able to decipher some of it just due to uh, the tonality, if you will. Uh, they last played in Division One just a couple of years ago. Uh, they got promoted when the league expanded from eight to ten teams, so they didn't earn, quote-unquote, the promotion per se, but they are hardly new to the first division. And in fact, they've got a D1 title under their belt. They won it in 2013-14. 
The second division in which they play is called the First Football League. They got to enter this event in the round of 32, uh, which followed the two preliminary rounds where uh, teams from the third and fourth division played. They've had a pretty good set of draws so far. It's random in these FA Cups. They've had to beat two second division teams and then uh, to start off and then last round, they got even more fortunate perhaps and got to play a third tier team. So the competition steps up to a whole new level for them this time in Pristina, who are known as the Clods. I didn't look up to see if that meant something in a language other than English, but I'm pretty sure based on my source site that that's English. So, but large clumpy pieces of dirt, gotta be something lost in the translation or some kind of context I'm missing. Give a little perspective continent wide. They are ranked number 280 of all the clubs in Europe, but this is the most successful team in the nation's history. They have won this particular event seven different times. Last one, 2019-2020. They too entered at the round of 32, but they got a walkover against some team or other from a lower division. But they did have to play Division One teams the next two rounds in order to advance. Currently, they're just in fifth place in their league, underperforming a little bit. I think they'll climb higher than that, but not by much. They've only got a top four offense and defense. On the scoring leaderboard, key player for them with five goals is Endrit Krasniki. Team's current form, a 1-2 loss to number six, uh, Duka, I'm going to mess this up, <laughs> Duka Gini, D-U-K-A-G-J-I-N-I, and I'm pretty sure that's a soft J. Anyway, let's call them the Dukes. Snap the four-match winning streak. Match number nine. Our last two matches take place on Thursday, both in European International Clubs tournaments, the secondary and tertiary ones. We've already had our Champions League match, match number nine from the UEFA Europa Conference League. That is the third best tournament, only a couple, three years old. They have reached their quarterfinal, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie, and the most interesting-looking match because the first leg in Switzerland went 2-2 is Nice from France versus Basel. But... We can get back to this event another time. This is the time of show where noobs tummy tends to get a little rumbly. I'm hungry. And that, of course, means it's time for a culture break where we look at the fashion, the art, the architecture, or let's face it, I usually do something food related. And why not? We all like food, don't we? And I like recipes. So you're going to hear one today uh, from a Niçois cuisine from Nice. Uh, called Saka, which in other places in Europe is called uh, Farinata, if I'm remembering it right. In any case, it is a thin, unleavened pancake or crepe made specifically from chickpea flour, which, by the way, you should never eat before you've cooked it. It's very, very bitter. This is a dish that originated in Italy and later became a typical food along the Ligurian seacoast. Everywhere from Nice to Sardinia to to, uh, Elba Islands. It's also popular in Gibraltar, but it has a different name, uh, Calentita. One origin story for Farinata or Saka says it was invented by a group of Roman soldiers uh, who roasted their chickpea flour when they were on the go on a shield, you know, on their way to war or on their way back from war. 
A different origin story, a legendary one, says that the recipe for sake was discovered when the Turks attacked an Italian city, or rather not an Italian city, but the city of Nice specifically back in the 16th century. They had run out of ammunition, so the Nisswa people, they mixed hot oil with the chickpea soup and poured it down off the top of the walls and onto the heads of the invaders. I don't know why you'd add the chickpea flour. You would just heat up the uh, oil that I would think. Yeah, but what do I know? I'm not a warmonger. Uh, it was in the early 1900s when uh, apparently it was no longer needed for military purposes that this food started to gain popularity as a quick snack sold from portable cookers. Uh, they could be taken to the port early in the morning for the fishermen, later in the day for laborers when they were working, nourishing and inexpensive. Basically, think of this as Niswa fast food. Now, there's some interesting legends regarding uh, this. First, there's the legend of uh, Teresa, the Saka Queen of Nice. And I think this is true. I don't know why they call it a legend. Uh, early in the 20th century, a gal named Teresa set up a kiosk in a certain court. And uh, she was a really gregarious woman, became very famous, just talked to everybody, always willing to give her opinion about stuff, whether people were asking her or not. And yet she was very well liked and her stall became a wild success for selling this stuff. Now, of course, the original Trace is no longer in the market, but her place has been taken by yet another one. So you can still today in the Course Salea find a stall called Shade Teresa where uh, the actual stuff is not cooked right there. It's cooked someplace a few blocks away and it arrives by scooter apparently like every five minutes. Three different families have actually owned that particular businesses. So there have been several uh, women of character who have slipped into this role. Uh, the one who uh, I believe is there now is considered a fair bit more subdued than the last one, but she's still there. How do you make it? Well, we won't go into the recipe specifics, but basically you're going to stir chickpea flour into a mixture of water and olive oil to form a very loose batter. Then you pour it into a pan to make a pancake that's about four millimeters thick, bake it for a few minutes. Traditionally, this is in a tin plated copper baking pan. And if you want to make it niçois style, my understanding is you want to make it in an incredibly wide one, like at least a foot across. They do it a little bit thinner, a little more spread out. And you might season it with fresh rosemary, pepper, or salt. This can be a main course. This can be an appetizer and uh, a pair of teeth. You can use it for any of those things. You cut it into irregularly shaped triangular slices, and then you don't put any other toppings on it other than maybe adding some black pepper if it didn't have any. So that is Saka, and I hope that you will have a chance to make it yourself or enjoy it should you ever get to Mediterranean France. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Yes, finally, daughter dears. The last of our main 10, but don't forget we have our super fun three bonus matches to come after this. Match number 10. This is probably only the second most interesting match from the Europa League, which is also in its quarterfinal uh, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. But it's going to be the most interesting uh, for a different reason. It is Roma versus Feyenoord, and the latter is from the Netherlands. Leg one, Feyenoord won it 1-0. Series between these two isn't a real deep one. Roma have a slight advantage, 2-1-1. The winner will get to play either Bayer Leverkusen or Belgian side Union St. Gilois in the next round. You can watch this on Batube, 3 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. on Paramount Plus 
ESPN Plus or VIX streaming for Spanish language. Uh, I'll give you uh, an incredibly brief version of why this is so interesting. And they've played since then, but in 2015, Dutch fans who had traveled there for a game absolutely trashed and damaged a fairly recently restored like four or 500 year old historic fountain amongst many other crimes that a lot of them were committing. Uh, several of them, the identities were discovered and they were tried uh, in Italian court in absentia and uh, sentenced to three or four years. So my guess is that they have simply decided that it's not worth it to go back to that particular city. All right. Time for the mini preview proper. Roma, the She-Wolf, nicknamed a nod to their city's legendary founding. In 1983-84, they made the final of what is now the Champions League. 2017-18, they made the final where they usually end up is in the round of 16 or the quarterfinal. This is normally about as far as they get. For this event, 1990-1991, they made the Europa League final. And then, uh, but they don't typically uh, do any better in this one than they do in the Champions League, which is still pretty good. They qualified for this year's event as the winner of last year's Europa Conference League. Yeah, the tertiary tournament. You win that one, you get into the Europa League. You win the Europa League, you get into the next year's Champions League. They advanced to this particular round over Real Sociedad from France, 2-0 on aggregate. Key player on the event assist leaderboard with three, Lorenzo Pellegrini, attacking midfielder uh, with 20 international team appearances as well. He's really known for his stamina and his ball control. He's incredibly valuable on both sides uh, of the field. He can get to either end very quickly and doesn't tend to flag very much in his pace. Uh, the team is currently in third place in league play, so it seems like the Champions League is well in sight for them next year. By the way, the league they play out of in Italy, Serie A, is the fourth-ranked league in Europe. Their offense isn't that much above average, but they do give up less than one goal per match. That's good for top four. Key players, number three overall in the league, Paulo Dybala from Argentina, or Argentina rather. They're attacking midfielder, but he's injured. The next best player really statistically is probably Pellegrini that I mentioned just a moment ago. But not to be outshone is their goalkeeper, who is number three in the Italian league in clean sheets with a dozen. That is Rui Patricio, veteran Portuguese netminder, who spent 12 years in his home country with one of the big three. Sporting CP, and then three years with Wolverhampton right around the time or just after they've uh, got promoted to the Premier League. And this is a guy who is well-known in international circles because he's made over 100 Portuguese national team appearances over the years. Team's current form, their leg one loss to Feyenoord snapped a two-match win streak. And now from Rotterdam, let's talk about Feyenoord. This is the 34th ranked club in all of Europe. They lost to Roma in the uh, Europa Conference League final last year, so they had to earn their way in through league play. Just another reason this is becoming a continental uh, rivalry. They won what is now known as the Champions League. Uh, it's been a minute, 1969-1970. And then two different times they have won what is or is now the Europa League, most recently just after the turn of the century, 2002. Here in the modern area, basically think the modern era, the last 20 years in the Champions League, they've made one group stage appearance. That was 2017-18. And then for the Europa League, uh, they've made the quarterfinals a couple of times. 
They qualified, by the way, for this year's event by finishing in third in their country last year. Their league is the Eredivisie. It is the sixth-ranked league in Europe. That They just passed up, I think, Belgium or maybe Portugal. They advanced to this round by beating Ukrainian powers Shakhtar Donetsk last round. Um, I can't remember if it was uh, nil 2 or 8-2. I can't remember if I had a typo there. But they beat them, and that's the important thing. On the event scoring leaderboard uh, in third place with five is Santiago Jimenez, Argentinian forward. He came over from Cruz Azul in Mexican's Le- Mexico's Liga MX. And actually, he has... Uh, His family is from Mexico, and so he's made 10 appearances for their national team. On the event assists leaderboard with three is Usama Idrisi from the Netherlands. He plays winger for them. He actually started off his national team career with some of the youth teams in the Netherlands, but must not have been making enough headway. He switched over to Morocco uh, to play for their national side, and he's made a handful of uh, appearances since 2019. And he's not on contract with this team. He is actually on loan here from Sevilla over in La Liga. Currently, they are in first place, and by quite a bit in the era of VCA, uh, very well balanced is the reason. Their defense is a little bit better than their offense, but they can push the ball when they need to. They get well over two goals per match. Team's current form, they're only loss in the last 22 matches across all competitions was a home one versus Ajax, but it was in the FA Cup, not in league play. Bring forth the bonus matches! And now for perhaps my very favorite part of the show, because you, the listener, have had a chance to determine what the matches were going to be. How so? Well, on Twitter, you can find me as Soccer Noob USA. Early part of every week, I put up the candidate matches in Twitter box polls. You vote. Dreamy content is decided upon and made manifest. The first one is a first versus last place matchup that we dramatically call the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And you have elected a Sunday match from the Netherlands. Yes, the Eredivisie makes another appearance. One team will go to the Champions League group stage. The second place finisher will get to go to the third qualifying round of the Champions League. They'll also send one to the Europa League, two to the Europa Conference League. On the other end of the spectrum, just as relevant, three will get relegated. You can watch to see what happens 10.45 a.m. ESPN Plus for your roadkill match between Number 18 in last place, Wolfel Kemboer. Yes, I'm going to say it that way because it's got two U's before they are. Versus number one, as I'm sure you've remembered from just the last match, Feyenoord. Now, Kemboer, they trail number 15, Excelsior, by 11 in the table. Feyenoord, they lead the second and I think third place teams by something like nine. They're ahead by a lot. They're going to win the league. When these two played earlier in this season, we're always looking for little glimmers of anything to make us believe that the you know the underdogs have a shot. Feyenoord only beat them 1-0 in Rotterdam. So who knows? Maybe that's our silver lining here. The series between these two would not belie any such thing. Feyenoord have a perfect 10-0-0 record against them. We will talk about, well, I was going to say first, but only, since we just talked about Feyenoord last match, Cambour. They play out of the city of Lew Warden, L-E-E-U, which either means, I know it means lion in uh, 
modern language, but it might have meant something to do with like the, a leeward part of land uh, from older uh, Frisian, I assume, because they are in Friesland in the northwest part of the country. It's a city of about 125,000, perhaps the most famous resident ever to come out of there was the famed alleged double agent and courtesan Matahari. Yeah, it doesn't sound Dutch, but there you go. Something else they are known for is having the most notorious fans in the country. It's that kind of episode this time. They've never won the top flight, but they do have three second division titles, most recently 2020-2021. So they've only been back at the top flight a couple of years. Last year, they finished in ninth place. That is the best they've done in their appearances in the top flight since at least 1990. I didn't happen to look back any further than that. They've got the worst offense of the league going. Their defense is a little bit better, but they still do give up almost two goals per match. Uh, some key players to look for. There are actually several reasons to think that maybe they can get things done on the defensive side. Uh, they've got the player with the third most successful number of tackles per game in David Sambisa from Gabon. He plays defender for them. Uh, he made a couple of appearances for the senior side, but effectively started his career in France with uh, the B side of Bordeaux. Second best in blocks per 90 minutes is Marco. I don't know if it's Toy or Toi, T-O-I. He is Dutch as well. And then their goalkeeper, this is sort of meaningful, yes, sort of not. He is he has the third most saves per 90 minutes. That is Joao Virginia from Portugal, who's here on loan from Everton. I, I don't think he has a noteworthy save percentage or number of clean sheets. I think he has that volume of saves just because he gets peppered every single match. The team's most valuable player, though, might be their central midfielder, Mies Hodemakers. He's got three goals. He's an excellent dribbler, and he tracks back well, has a lot of clearances. So if you watch this, these are the players who you can look for if an upset is possibly going to be in the making. It wouldn't look like it based on their current form. They have lost four straight matches uh, with a rather poor uh, four goals versus 15 conceded goal differential ouch could you be the most meaningless match in the world yes you could you're so boring We celebrate them in song. Two teams from roughly the middle of their league, somewhere that you have voted for. Certainly they can be said to be equidistant, more or less, from the top of their standings where they might be able to earn an international berth, and yet they are safe from the drop zone, the relegation zone, if you will, in danger of being dropped down into another league. The one that you have voted for that is oh so meaningless is the Saturday match from Poland, where the top flight is the Extra Klasa. We will talk very briefly about the Saturday match between Krakowia, and they're playing host to Radomiak Radom. Uh, Krakowia is a little bit better on offense and defense, but both are pretty average in that regard. Uh, there's going to be no TV coverage for this, at least here in the Western Hemisphere that I'm aware of. We'll talk briefly about both uh, Krakowia uh, I think it means Krakow. I think that translates from Polish into crack town or, or crack den. I don't know. What I do know is that the most meaningless player or most average player, if you will, is Maiko 
Michael, rather, and I don't know how to say the last name, uh, Rakochi, R-A-K-O-C-Z-Y. I didn't bother to look up. It's the meaningless match. He's 20 years, one years old. He's got a time to f- add some meaning to his life. Plays attacking midfielder. Seven goals and an assist, but to be honest, he's a pretty poor passer at this stage. Team's current form, they are 0-3-3 in their last three, so trending downward, as I believe is, uh, if I remember my notes, uh, Radom Radomiak. Their most meaningless player is Rafael Branco. He is a Brazilian center back. Two goals, and he's outstanding on clearances, but he's really, for a central player, he's only okay-ish on his passing. They might be better off moving him to a wing. Most meaningless facts about this town that they are from, Radom, the biggest air show in the country takes place there. And they produce a lot of guns, which is meaningless or not meaningless, depending on whether or not you happen to be on the end of one, I suppose. By the way, Radom uh, is a city that's about an hour south of Warsaw. So it's not a suburb, not a part of the metropolitan area, but that gives you a little bit of perspective. Teams current form, they are 0-2-3 in their last Five. Maybe before too long, we'll see one or both of them in our final bonus match. Match number 13. So appropriate. We approach this final bonus match with naught but scorn for these two sad sack bottom feeders. This is the match of Disappointed! And our winning match on the Twitter poll was a Tuesday match from the first division in Cyprus. No surprise there. Every time that we end up with a match from Cyprus, up for grabs in any of the bonus matches, a certain army of voters comes out, and we are very grateful for all their engagement. Before we get into our interview and the man who leads that army, I'll just tell you a very little bit about the match, not a full mini preview. Uh, the Cypriot First Division is the 21st ranked league in UEFA. Up at the top of the table, well, a bunch of teams will go to international competition. It doesn't matter. These, these two egg-sucking teams are not going to catch a sniff of any of that. The bottom three teams in this 14-team league will be relegated. For a little while now, they've been divided into two separate groupings, the six-team championship round and uh, the other eight into the relegation round where there are a large handful of matches left. Your matchup is last place, Agritas Ploracas versus number 13, second to last place, Olympiakos. Nicosia, that is all that I will give you by myself on these two because we want to hurry to bring in an actual soccer expert, not a silly American ninny like I am. You get enough of this funny goose as it is. I am talking about the co-host from the crazy good show. This is MAPA, which is Cypriot Greek, I believe, simply for football. And you can find him. Uh, he'll tell us our Twitter, his Twitter ID. I'm suddenly blanking whether it's Cafes Flares or Flares and Cafes. And anyway, he'll get into all that. I am talking about our now four-time guest. We don't have a five-time club like uh, Saturday Night Live does because he's the only guy I think to have ever been on even more than once. Talking about our dear friend, Thassos. And so, Thassos, let me start by asking, how are things on, I'm probably still only saying it like 70% right, this is MAPA. Well, um, this is MAPA, we're doing great. Uh, If I, uh, for people who who, who don't know yet, obviously from my 40 other guest appearances on this podcast, uh, (laughs) the... uh, we we put the podcast up on YouTube, so there's video, uh, and you can see kind of as the season progresses and as all these news items pop up, and I get 
physically and visibly more and more angry. You can see me age quicker than, uh, <laughs> than time would otherwise allow. It's like podcasting uh, it ages you more, especially when you're having to do the amount of research on the Cypriot Championship as much as what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, I know you all study. Uh, you all look at things all the way down, at least into the third division, if memory serves. Yeah, so um, we kind of do like bits and pieces. So my co-host Stell, he's involved as well in providing like these updates for the BFBS radio station. That's the British Forces Broadcasting Service, mm-hmm. um, and he has to do these like little five minute updates now for people who don't know in cyprus there is uh three uh british uh army and air force bases uh, so there is quite a large military air force navy contingent in the uk uh, in, in cyprus from the uk uh and they have their own radio station. So what Stell does every Friday or Thursday or Friday is it provides a tiny little update on what's going on in the league in general, in the top league in general. And then for two or three teams that are near those bases, uh, and those two or three teams near those bases are uh, in the lower divisions. Uh, so what, what I tend to do now, especially as the season is starting to close, we we're discussing the ups and downs of what's going on. Uh, on top of that, I also do like a weekly uh, Twitter thread of uh, all the punishment decisions that have come down from uh, the week prior. And obviously that involves a lot of reporting on what's happening in the second and third divisions. So fines for fireworks or firecrackers or not uh, having enough Cypriot players on the field. That was one that I caught recently. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it's always, it's always the same corporate. It's always the same corporate. Uh, And, uh, and obviously there's, uh, there's certain stuff that we only get a text brief on uh, of it happening because it's been mentioned in the uh, punishment issues. So things like, for instance, match fixing, or um, somebody decided to punch a player around the back of their head, somebody jumping into the uh, crowd, uh, the crowd throwing uh, incendiary devices at other members of the crowd. There's there's all kinds of weird, weird... uh, I think Estelle calls it the good, the bad, and the ugly. So there are some good things, obviously, to discuss. We've got promotions of refugee teams, for instance, going into the higher leagues. We've got uh, the bad, obviously, with the punishments, and then the ugly being the uh, the kind of the, the the violence that happens in the stadium. Yeah, which uh, is hardly unique to Cyprus, of course. I didn't realize that there was quite so much of that. There would that there would be enough information to you know there would be enough of it that it was worth doing a report on just those things. I don't know if we have less of that here in America or if they're uh, still sneaky about it or we're turning a blind eye to our own or what it is. But I'm sure all things will <laughs> will come out even. Well, you know, they'll come out in the wash even again eventually. Well. That, that's the thing, right? So uh, in stadiums in Cyprus, the use of flares, firecrackers or fireworks, that kind, that kind of thing, while it gives a sense of like an atmosphere, kind of like a more like a primal kind of 
almost tribal kind of thing that is uh when when you're there it looks spectacular when you see it on the tv and things like that but certain people because of uh ultra um uh kind of ultra people involved in setting these things up may use those for more nefarious means so they are banned from stadia but people are still getting them in uh despite all the fines and everything else that kind of goes to the team that they support regardless yeah that's a that's an interesting thing that they would rather have that particular party and cost their team money or i suppose eventually even points deductions i don't know if it's come to that this particular year but what i am particularly interested about you mentioned match fixing i did not mm-hmm. do my own deep dive but i caught that a couple different times from both your twitter thread and a couple other places uh, that there have been accusations or even just, you know, full on acknowledged uh, findings. What can you tell us about that? So there has been um, in particular this season. So the, the, the good thing about this season in particular is they're starting to do a crackdown on it because it, what it has been quite a big problem, especially down in the lower leagues in Cyprus. Uh, because obviously people don't pay that much attention to it. People can bet money on the games, and because people can bet quite a lot of money on games, uh, it's it's fairly easy for um, uh, people involved in the games to receive payment to uh, influence what happens during the games. So uh, already this season there's been... Uh, Two, uh, there's been two games, one game. There's been one game that is definitely been found to have match fixing, and it's one game that has definitely had punishment uh, given down. So it was a game in the second division, which was uh, Aezagagio versus Olympias Limbion. Don't don't worry about the pronunciation, uh, especially of the <laughs> second one, because uh, the second that second team came second from bottom in the league and have been relegated to the third division. They only didn't come bottom because the team that get they came bottom actually dissolved about two months ago. Oh wow. So yeah. Uh, now however, because they couldn't find so they've they they've definitely found that there was match fixing going on, but they couldn't find a culprit between the two teams. So what happened as per the the kind of the punishment rulings that uh, the league, uh, that the uh, football association has come up with, uh, funding for both those teams has been completely cut from the moment that uh, from, from from that match fixing uh, uh, match fix game onwards. So in essence, um, because obviously there's not really TV, there's not that many gate receipts or sponsorships kind of the lifeblood of a lot of these clubs in the lower divisions is funding from the football association itself. Yeah, so that's Uh, really going to put the the pinch on them at very least, and that's probably understating it, especially depending on how long that that funding stays withheld. Exactly. So it's for the full season. So for Olympias Limbion, it was definitely a problem. They had to let go of quite a few players uh, because... Uh, as well as the second division is a professional division 
So if you're not if if you're not got your main source of funding, if you've got your main source of funding being cut off, then you have to kind of get rid of you know your higher earners. Uh, yeah, start playing. Start playing the laundry guys, the water boys, the guy who's uh, carrying around the hot dogs if they have that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it it it's more the guy carrying around the barbecue, but yeah. Oh, um, that sounds even better. I'm heading. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially, that can be fi- fixed or not. I love me some good barbecue. Oh yeah, no, the lower league games in Cyprus, uh, especially when the war weather's uh, more conducive to it, uh, they normally arrange free barbecues or for people to go to the matches. So it's uh, it's it's definitely something to go do if you oh, ever any of your listeners ever find yourselves in Cyprus and are looking for something to do on a Saturday or a Sunday for ninety minutes. Well, I have the feeling that when when you appear and and you're gracious enough to to re you know to to retweet your appearance and this show that probably you know probably I'll even conservatively say half the listeners probably then come you know have an interest in and in or perhaps even in Cyprus so that is definitely something they are or could be easily taking advantage oh yeah that so so there is uh there is an Englishman who uh who uh, me and Stella are friends with and he's the person who actually broadcasts on the BFBS radio station and he goes and fo- so he follows uh Sheffield United in England uh, and he also follows Abolon in the first division in Cyprus, but he also follows APEA Agrodiri, which is uh, kind of like one of the base clubs, but they're in the third division. And one of the one of the first games he went to was won against Abeb Pitilias, which is a team in the third division. I was very close to my grandma's house, right up in the we're talking about like 600 meters oh wow 600 700 meters above sea level um so the stadium the the, the i won't call it a stadium the football pitch is kind of on an outcrop uh, uh kind of on the cliff side and you could kind of you see the football and then on the other side of the pitch is just valleys and mountains and kind of like this whole uh kind of uh landscape very very dramatic especially if you go in in the winter and when he was there somebody from the club uh, was kind of walking around and handing people zivania which is uh, which is a local alcoholic drink uh, kind of a spirit with a very high alcohol percentage which was needed because it was only about eight nine degrees so uh, yeah <laughs> Safety yeah, first, exactly. But anyway, uh, back back to the back to the match fixing itself. Um, Olympias Libyon suffered a heavy penalty, as did Ayaz Zagagio. However, Ayaz Zagagio, I think, are in second place at the moment, so they're still up. Got promotion up for grabs. Now, match fixing wise, since that's happened, there's been two or three other investigations started. But nothing kind of um, pronounced as of yet until. It's probably easy last... to see when it's happening based on large amounts of money being dropped right before a game. But um, exactly. my guess is the people who are doing this are also uh, smart, you know, clever enough to, you know, not leave the easiest trail all the way back to them. No, no. I'll, uh, 
I was gonna I was gonna move on to one, but I'll move on to this one instead now that you've mentioned that because there was one uh, specific thing that happened last week in the second division again. It was between a team called Hermes Aradipo and uh, POX. Now I like I like calling them Pox because it's Pox, <laughs> but uh, it's 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 pronounced Box because obviously the uh, the P uh, in well not obviously but the P in Greek is a soft P the the letter pi uh, for all you maths whiz kids out there <laughs> um, is actually pronounced with like a, like almost like a B uh, so it's box uh, but uh, in essence these two teams played each other and my uh, my co-host Stell got a message from someone telling them to put money on that game specifically because this result is going to happen uh, and there's pretty good uh, pretty good odds on it so put some money on it uh, and then two hours after obviously the result came to pass uh, the uh, and now Stella's retired and uh, you know living out on a gorgeous island in the Caribbean or the Pacific <laughs> Ocean or somewhere enjoy your time with the South Seas Stella Oh no! Well, he he says he's still going to do the podcast out of the um out of the gracious out of his own gracious <laughs> from from his yacht. Yeah, that's yeah generous. exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. But um, what happened was after the game, the losing goalkeeper put a post on Instagram with a gif of uh, a character uh, counting money. With Abba's uh, very well-known hit, Money, 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 playing in the background. <laughs> oh, goodness. Subtle. So, so he said the quiet bit out loud. Now, whether, whether he was saying he himself had received something and therefore um, was going to get a payout, or whether he was making a comment on the referee being bought, we don't know. But regardless, yeah, neither, heard either one is about... what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But regardless, that game is yet to be uh, confirmed as being investigated. Is, However, is the result being held uh, withheld from being like official in the table? No, 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 no. It's 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 being it's it uh, officially it happened and it was a game and it. Uh, and it finished three one to the winning team. Yeah. So, uh, but that so that hasn't been opened. But it's just that obviously you mentioned the people involved are be a bit more clever than just leaving leaving it open for people. No, you don't want to say the quiet bit out loud. That's why it's called the quiet bit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. However, there has been a second game in the uh, in the Cypriot Cup. Which was the investigation was opened in November, if I remember correctly, uh, and the uh, I can't remember. It's, it's a government committee anyway that uh, that uh, investigates these and has found uh, and has found players of uh, one of the teams in the cup to have influenced the game in such a way which would uh, uh, construe as ma match fixing. So. Uh, 
that those findings has been have been passed to the to the Cypriot government, the police, and the Cyprus FA. So what I'm waiting for now is in a couple of weeks' time, there's going to be a publishing of what kind of punishment befalls, and then eight pages of legal Greek, a document with legal Greek explanations in there that I'm going to have to pass through and figure out what exactly the the legal mumbo-jumbo is saying to the layman. Yeah, they won't probably do anyone the courtesy of sending out uh, what we would call here. I don't know if you're familiar with the publication, a Reader's Digest version. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm very familiar with that. Oh, but okay. no, they won't. They, no, they won't. <laughs> Basically, the Reader's, the Reader's Digest version of it will be the one paragraph saying, oh, they've had 10 points deducted or whatever. Um, but yeah, that that's... But well, for, for the, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that one. Now, about 15, 20 minutes after they announced they were investigating this, uh, that they finished the investigation of this game, they opened another investigation for a first division game between Garmiodissa and Olympiakos, which is one of the teams we were going to talk about uh, for the game. Now, Garmiodissa, for people that don't know, uh, currently are being uh, financed by a uh, Russian wine merchant. Um, uh, their their store, the, the 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 online store and the brick and mortar type place, um, is all over Europe, and the owner has concentrated his investment in this team on the outskirts of Limassol. Uh, and the the playing staff are quite well. There's quite very. It's a very very good team. There's a lot of experience, a lot of very skilled players. However, what they seem to do as well is they seem to go through head coaches, like most people seem to go through uh, pairs of socks. <laughs> it's, Hopefully, it's not quite as bad as in Saudi Arabia, where the average—I uh, think I heard the average tenure is like four months. But it, it doesn't sound like it's a very secure profession there. Garmiodisa have been through seven coaches this season. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is that is a ridiculous. That is a, that is a I'm, crazy I'm, number. I don't you, know. You 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 open the door. <laughs> so wide with with your previous statement, you which was I was able to just walk through and go, ta-da! <laughs> I felt like a, a, a Daniel a Daniel Radcliffe from the trailers of a movie called Now You See Me Too, where he plays exactly competition side. And he literally walks through, and was like, ta-da! Yeah, exactly. That's exactly yes, what I, I did, and I will take full credit or blame or whatever is appropriate there. But now, so outrageous. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, well, oh, it, a lot of them. They must have been through three or maybe even four. How how novel? But it's like seven, seven, seven. Do, you uh, even, do they and, even get? I mean, do you even get a temporary? Do you even get beyond having a temporary password for the the computer system that they might? Have? Well, I I mean the way so. So the the sixth coach uh, is uh, is a was a Russian no, is a Russian because he still exists is a Russian <laughs> called uh, Ale- I think it's Alexander his first name and Kershakov. Now he's very famous in Russia because of 
his uh, exploits with Zenit St. Petersburg. Is uh, has played a lot for them. He played a lot for the he played a lot for the Russian international team as well. And he started his coaching career in Russia, uh, and then spent a good six months out of work. Now, once he was fired from Gamyodisa, which was I think three weeks ago, um, he then uh, delivered an interview saying, "I had to resign basically at half time from this game." I'll deliver more information later. Now, there is uh, that information he delivered later was a big, 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 big interview with sports.ru about what exactly goes on at Garmiodisa. And the picture he painted was one of corruption, of a lot of lying, a lot of... uh, Pieces of paper being handed here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, it was him uh, and one other player that both did the same thing, right? Well, no. So he said specifically because there's a there's a player uh, at uh, called Thomas Hubachan who's is uh, Czech, uh, and he's also very well known in Russia. So he brought him up as one of the example of the players who are basically trapped there because ah. of their contract. But yeah, he he, he threw that he threw them under the bus for their kind of their the the training center, which he described as basically three porter cabins, um, uh, and the amount of time that it takes to get players ready for the, the on on the fitness coach side of things basically only allowed him to be, to train them up for forty five minutes every training session rather than to concentrate on what he actually wanted to do. Um, he, he asked for scouting information and wasn't provided anything. Uh, in essence, uh, before he joined, he asked for three, he asked, he asked for video of three games uh, and uh, they basically provided him uh, the, the broadcast version of two games, which is all well and good, the broadcast version, if you're just watching game of football but if you're using if you're watching it for data analysis it does nothing for you um but anyway uh lots of different things uh the game in question was Garmiodisa against the olympiagos uh, and he said the director of football came down to him and said to him that the chairman wanted him to make changes to the playing staff before half time and obviously him being the manager, he said, no, I'm the manager. I'm the one who says when we make changes. And then the halftime whistle went. He went to go give his team talk at halftime to his players after they, you know, they got their fitness checks and everything else. Uh, and he saw that three of his players were getting ready to to leave to go into the stands because the they had finished for the, for the day. And he asked them what was going on. Uh, and he said the sporting director and the chairman had come down down into the changing rooms, told those three players that they were getting substituted and that they'd already submitted that information to the referees. So he said to the team at halftime, OK, well, I have to resign. Obviously, you guys are trapped here, so you have to go out there and give it your best. Now, wow, what a because, sticky situation. Yes. Now, because of this interview, obviously, they, uh, the the ethics committee 
have had to open an investigation into match fixing because it wasn't the manager who was making those substitutions. Yeah, it could just be a micromanager, so, but obviously match fixing is more on everybody's mind. Well, yeah, so it could be it could be, for instance, like uh, this player to only play the first half, for instance. So we have to take this player off, otherwise we don't get paid, or we lose lose money, or something happens. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but either way, the ethics committee has decided to open that investigation against Garmiodissa which makes things interesting for the relegation group, which they are in at the moment. Yeah, with six what six matches, I think we talked about uh, before. Well, we uh, no, so, so a lot of fluidity it, there. It's eight matches left oh, wow. in the relegation group. Oh, that's right, because it's uh, the championship group is six, but the relegation group has eight teams. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So they've got to go through a little bit longer season, which you know they deserved for not making the championship round. You will work they, more. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, well, it, oh, yeah. go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to add a different thing, but it's fine. Oh no, you're fine. I th- I was going to use that as a segue, not knowing if you had more or not to talk about. Oh no, 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 no. I was also going to use it as a segue. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're thinking the same thing in the relegation zone. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned one of the two teams, and they're the visitor, and I'm going to mispronounce, as I always do, the first one. Uh, get my emphasis on the wrong syllable, probably. Our match of disappointed, which is always two cellar dwellers from some league in the world, and that this is Mapa Army came out and <laughs> voted <laughs> voted for us to give this team the bid, This these two teams the business. Number 14, last place, uh, Akritas Kloracas. That's, that's very good. That's very good. You're a you're a poor liar, sir. But I'm trying. No, 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 no. It is obviously <laughs> still the K is a bit. It's a it's hard. softer it's, than it's, that, isn't it? It's more of a G. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that for a moment. I but, but apart from that, is it great? It's great. It's the it's it's the first. I, I've got to not follow my uh, my instincts and do the. Uh, I, I want to put the emphasis later on, like agritas, gloracas. You know, would just feel more yep. more Western or something. But it's the first syllable, and they are taking on the much easier to pronounce if you know it. Number thirteen, second to last place, Olympiakos Nicosia. Yep. Upward That's inflection. Yeah, that's that one looks one. like it could be Nicosia to me, but obviously that's nowhere near right. And I've been getting, that's one of the few I've been getting right for a while. So here's how things look on the table. Uh, right now, I know Akritas uh, 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 are way back. They're six points behind uh, uh, Nicosia, or I guess Olympiakos is probably the short uh, the shorthand yeah. for it. And uh, three teams out of the uh, eight in the relegation group, are they all going to go down, or does the third-to-last-place team get to play in a relegation No, 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 no. All, 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 all three of the bottom teams go down. That's what I um, thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The color coding on my uh, the color coding on my uh, uh, site that I happen to use uh, I'm twenty percent red green color blind and it's in red and the relegation playout possibilities in some leagues are just a slightly lighter version of red so I thought I better double mm. check because I'm a deficient human being um, <laughs> let's see no uh, and then on uh, then uh, now and then uh, as bad as uh, Agritas are. Uh, Olympiacos, they're not in much better shape. They are uh, nine points last I, as of at least two or three days ago when I scouted it. 
behind the number 11 team, which I'm going to ask you to pronounce again, because I would have been nowhere close. Carmio uh, Tissa? Be, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Carmio Tissa. Carmio Tissa. Okay, gotcha. I yeah. wasn't as far off as I, I thought. It's, no, 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 exactly. You did very well. Series between these two, I know that uh, no real surprise as, as struggling as uh, Akritas have been that Olympiacos won the first two times they played both uh, 0-1 or 1-0 uh, matches. I don't think that they have played in the here in the relegation round. They haven't played a third time yet, have they? No, no, they've still got to play each other twice. All right, so what can, what do we want to – what can we know about this? Well, first of all, let me ask – how bad is it financially to go from the first to the second division inside? I mean, everybody wants to stay up. Ownership groups want to stay up for a variety of reasons, but as far as the money, what does that look like? Um, uh, so it's more of a cliff edge uh, than a lot of places because there aren't things like parachute payments, so I don't know if you've discussed the Premier League and the Championship in the UK, uh, in England. You've got any team that gets relegated there uh, has basically three years of uh, some kind of like bridge financing to kind of cover contracts that they would have otherwise sure. be paying if they were in the Premier League. So that kind of thing. Uh, in Cyprus, they don't have that. So it's kind of you go down, you lose, t- you lose a lot of TV rights, lose a lot of sponsorship because obviously you're not on the TV as much, and the gate receipts kind of almost uh, they, they go down to ten percent maybe of what you would have normally had because you don't then have teams going to your ground like Aboel or uh, Aris or Aek or you know those, yeah, they those, have those fan, fan bases that'll really travel. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's it, it's it's very dangerous. Now the the way that uh, Agridas has uh, presented themselves as they've signed a lot of young players, a lot of hungry players looking to prove something, uh, and they've got future transfer value. For instance, they brought in someone two seasons ago who in February signed for Levski Sofia for in Bulgaria uh, for 200,000 euros. So that, that pot of money will be very useful for them, obviously, then next season. Sure. All right. So part two of this. So we were talking about the financial cliff that uh, happens when you fall off. No TV money, no parachute payment like they have to help uh, teams that have uh, gone through relegation places like the top two divisions at the very least in England, for example. Even So even though the economy of scale between the Premier League and uh, someplace like the first division in Cyprus is obviously different, it's still, you've still got to make you've still got to make budgets and parachute payments would be really helpful for those teams, but there's just no sign of that. Exactly. The other issue is, is obviously that what, what I mentioned earlier is the second division is still a professional. So you still got to pay at least uh, 11 players plus subs a, a full wage. And there is a minimum wage requirement in Cyprus 
Uh, I think uh, oh, no, now I'm gonna have to remember. I think it's uh, at uh, one thousand euros a month. That's a minimum. So if if you think uh, if you want a, a twenty man squad plus coach uh, plus a coaching team of say five people, that is twenty five thousand euros a month. That's required just for playing coaching. Yeah, that's not including a lot of other expenses that I'm sure come along with running a top flight club in most any division when your TV money goes away and uh, and you as you mentioned the gate receipts you know go way go way way down regardless of the uh, enthusiasm of home supporters when you don't get nearly as much uh, travel from big away teams. Exactly. I would imagine that is uh, uh, tough to say the very least. Now. Uh, Agritas, they are probably, this is their first time in Division One, isn't it? So they're used to not having, you know, that sort of, uh, that sort of budget that they might be playing with this year. Exactly, exactly. And uh, like I said uh, previous, they've got a plan in place for, you know, they've got players that have got tremendous sell-on value. So if need be, they can finance next season by by selling two or three of their players. Yeah, this feels like, a, looking at their team history previously, uh, this feels a, a little bit like, and it may not be fair because obviously they're working very hard, but I'm going to call this season found money for them because they normally, uh, they're like Bournemouth in the uh, in the. Uh, Premier League in England, it feels like, where they've spent most of their history bouncing between the second and the third divisions. Exactly. Exactly. Um, they do have uh, they do have foreign investment involved, but uh, from what I can gather, they're looking to be to have a more sustainable model of uh, of growth. So whereas relegation relegation for them wouldn't be the be all and end all. How, however, Olympiagos on the other side uh, are going to struggle. Yeah, this is yeah. Uh, not. Now they're not the they're not traditionally they're not historically the the biggest team in Nicosia, are they? Or am I misremembering? Are no, they? No, 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 no. You're right. They are the third. They they are considered the third biggest team in in the Casilla, obviously after uh, Aboel and Omonia. Uh, however, they have won their their share of championships, mostly in the sixties. I want to say between um, uh, nineteen sixty six and seventy one. Uh, my notes show that they won their three league titles, and they haven't won any others outside of that period. So naturally, you are you are right on. I only. I only have it in hand because I I looked it up. <laughs> All right, okay, no, 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 that's fair enough. The um, as well when they were winning it, uh, the the league was kind of almost like a feeder league for the Greek first division. So the champions of the Cypriot first division would then go into the ethniki uh, in Greece, so uh, the precursor to what the Super League in Greece is now. Um, oh, not um, into a lower division over there. They would get to move right over into the top ex- flight. That's ex- interesting. Exactly. Now, that system changed, obviously, in 1974. That's not Pan-Hellenic now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the 
only team from Cyprus at that time that actually managed to avoid relegation uh, from the uh, Greek first division was Abuel in the 73-74 season. But obviously, well, not obviously, but due to political reasons, they weren't able to continue um, uh, due to the uh, due to the invasion. Now, uh, Olympiagos, yeah, they've got a they've got a very uh, checkered history, a lot of relegations, a lot of promotions, up and down, financial ruin, uh, being saved over and over and over and over again. Um, they're they're very much the the noisy neighbours. Uh, of uh, <laughs> Omonia and Abuel, uh, they they have they have a very vocal fan base. Even if it is a small fan base, they are very very vocal. Like you can hear the drums at the games if you if 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 you ever watch a game. They are in the stadium they play in. I don't think it's safe. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> I don't think it's safe. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it hasn't been safe for 20 years. Is this um, a team that has its fan base and is physically located like near the in the city center where there's a lot of history, but it's just not very big? Um, or am I completely off? No, I'm guessing. This is not in my notes. Um, so the nickname of the club is actually the neighborhood that they're, that they're based in. It's the Here's here, here's here's something to wrap your uh, wrap your pronunciation around. They, <laughs> oh, they're gosh. called they, so they're called the Green and Blacks or Dachtagalas. Yeah, you know what? I remembered seeing that uh, yesterday when I was reviewing some of my notes, and I remember specifically looking at that and saying, "Yeah, I'm not trying that one yet." <laughs> no, 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 no. I uh, I wouldn't try that unless you've had uh, you know. Uh, at, at, at least you've studied to degree level Greek. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that strong in my yeah. ancient languages yet, and I still might, uh, yeah. still might start with Hebrew. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, but but yes, Olympiagos have got a very, very, very big, big checkered history. A lot of, a lot of uh, crazy, almost a bit like um, I want to say they're a little bit like uh, Wimbledon. I don't know. I don't know if you've if you've looked at Wimbledon uh, uh, in the oh, in, AFC, in the oh, Wimbledon. The, no, uh, not 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 AFC Wimbledon before before the the split happened. Okay. So uh, in the in the eighties and nineties, they were called the Crazy Gang, uh, and there's a few. Vinnie Jones used to play for them, for instance. Oh yeah, that's a name I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. So there, yeah, it's a, they, 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 kind of very entertaining, very uh, like soap opera style kind of financial issues, uh, and I think they're coming. They're going to come towards one now if they get relegated, and it looks very likely they will. Yeah, they um, have to go on a a bit of a winning streak to uh, to even climb up to probably third to last, which would uh, which would still send them down. Uh, interestingly, I don't know that there would. I'm hoping you can help with this. Um, I don't know how much money there is in the 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 European the the non Champions League European competitions, but if they win the FA Cup, because they're still alive in the in the Cypriot Cup, are they not? 
Yes, exactly. If, yes, they get so, rele if they're destined to be relegated, does Cyprus have a rule about them not being able to go? I think there's at least one South American country that does nope. that. No. no. Is there enough? Is there enough money in going to the Europa League or Europa Conference League to uh, make up for any real degree of the lost league money if they go down? Yes. 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 Of course. the The reason being, obviously, as well, is that if they if they do go down and get into Europe, they there's there's an additional kind of media story there. So you'll you'll probably get like a lot of um, uh, third-party fans, say, who are, say, on holiday in Cyprus, for instance, during the qualifiers, uh, during the qualifying period, because that's August and September, which is prime tourist season in Cyprus. Uh -huh. So you might have... Yeah, exactly. So if they, if they do win the cup, then in essence, they will have their finances sorted. Now, they're very much in it because at the moment, the uh, so, so uh, to update everybody, these, the, the FA Cup in Cyprus is currently in the semi-final stage. And the semi-final stage is two, over two legs. Now, one of the one of the matches is Omonia versus Bafos. Both those teams are in the championship group. Uh, Bafos is fighting to get into those uh, top three places. Of yeah, party. I saw they'd slip down to fourth. Yeah, they, they had a really bad uh, run of form and they sacked their manager, uh, who's, who's been replaced by Michel Salgado. So uh, people who know a bit of football history know Michel Salgado is a very prominent name, uh, I think, especially in Spain. Uh, I can't remember. It must be Real Madrid he played for at right back uh, for a very, very, very long period of time. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Uh, well, that sounds um, fine, but I don't think he's probably—he's uh, no Bert Esselink, in my opinion. Oh, he is not. Bert Esselink is Olympiakos' top goal scorer. Very good, very good, very good. Is it, and he's is a defender, according to my notes. He must be playing exactly. some wing back or something. No, no, no. He's a central defender. He's a central defender. The reason why he's their top goal scorer is one because their strikers, their Olympiakos' strikers, are terrible. And two, they do a lot of work on their set plays. So he is basically during set plays, the for corners or free kicks, is basically cross it into him, give it to him, and and he'll get his head on it. And he's got score. he's the guy with some vertical or storming in from behind the formation or something. Exactly. exactly. I just remember seeing his name that he was the top scorer, and going Bert Esselink. That is about as not a power name. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure he's a very intimidating fellow and I hope to never cross paths with him after having said that. But that, I guess that explains if he's not up playing wingback, he's a central defender. That explains why they've got the worst offense in the league. Their defense they is, really their defense borders on mediocre, but I see their offense. They only get like a goal about two out of every three games on average. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been a big, big, big problem for them. Something they tried to correct in the January transfer window. So they signed Florian Durmishai, who is a Greek international uh, Albanian. Uh, he plays. For, he has played for the Greek international team and has played a lot in Greece uh, and scores a lot of goals. 
And he came on for his debut, like the 66th minute at some point in January, scored a goal, uh, and then proceeded to get injured for two months, three months, something like that. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for the, thanks for the 20 minutes and the one goal, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, almost straight away. Very big injury. So he's just starting to come back now. Well, um, I, you know, I, this isn't really, uh, I don't know how much science there would be to something like this, but I'd like to get your opinion. What it, based on their crest and a little bit of research I have done on the green and blacks, they have a very interesting crest. And I promise I'll tie this back around at least a little bit of a, uh, a, a, a tent, a low lying, almost not military looking tent, not like a pup tent, but yeah, well, I'll just say they have a they have a tent and nothing else on their right. crest because historically, I don't think they do now, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of their things and perhaps their big things was they had a camping division. If they don't have it, would it help to bring back the camping division? Would that revive the spirit of this club and bring, you know, be a rising tide that lifted up all Olympiacos boats? Well, um, there's a question you weren't expecting. <laughs> no, I was not expecting. So uh, a lot of the football clubs in Cyprus started off as associations, like full sport associations or leisure, leisure associations. So, for instance, Abuel, the the initials are, I'm going to say it in Greek and then I'm going to do a translation. So it's Athletikos, Podosferikos, Omilos, Elinon, Lefkosias. And that basically means athletic and football organization for the Greeks of Lefkosia, Nicosia. Um, so Abuel had all kinds of uh, different associations. Uh, they had a bas- they had a basketball team. They had uh, 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 an athletics team. Uh, I think at the moment they they just started a boxing team as well. So, um, and you've got Aed handball that, too, right? Or am I? Might yeah, be yeah, yeah. Sorry, you you match. have you you have, they have handball as well, yeah, and netball. Um, uh, and uh, Aed, for instance, if we go if we go back to them, is Athletigi Enosi Lemesu or the uh, the Athletic Union of Limassol, and they have again basketball team, football team. Uh, netball, a lot, a lot of different sports. uh, But there's nothing competitive about camping, at least to my knowledge. They used to have a choir as well, which I suppose could be competitive, but I don't know. Well, the um, so kind of choir wise is more, yeah, the, the, the choir and dancing type things as well. So there are still associations that have football teams that still do that, but they're more in like the second and the third division. I'll be darned. Like marching bands and things like that. Well, I guess once I, I I'd always thought the crest was strange. And once I, uh, once I realized I what it, that it was about, what, yeah. yeah, I was like, I have to ask about that because I just love teams that have some, at least to me, seemingly very unique piece of history. And, and even if it's not purely unique, it's, it would seem to be unique, at least certainly among top flight teams to have it, you know, prominently front and center on the crest with, you know, with no other distractions there. I just thought that was phenomenal. Yeah. And then taking yeah, yeah. a look, uh, let's go back to uh, 
uh, Agritas, if we could for a moment. Uh, It's funny. They've uh, not that their offense is anything to speak of, but they are better than they, it is better than with Olympiacos, but they've got the worst uh, defense in the league in quite a bit. It's not an overly high scoring league, especially once you get past uh, the first two to four teams, I suppose, but uh, mm-hmm. they're the only one giving up over two goals or at least two goals per match. Worst goal di- differential by 50%. So it seems like we might have a case of the uh, uh, resistible force uh, versus the very imminently movable object. Would that be fair? Do they play different <laughs> styles or am I overreading it? So Olympiagos, the, the former manager Olympiagos, because uh, they only recently just got rid of their second manager of the season. They're now on their third, who was also in charge um, for the last stretch of last season as well. Only the third. Agri- well, that's that's yeah. that's consistency compared to what we were talking about earlier. Well, yeah, exactly. Agritas are also on their third. Um but uh, or, or the or the way Olympiagos played, um, kind of with the second manager, was to shore up their defense, which is why their defensive stats are a bit better than most of the other teams surrounding them, because they concentrated a lot on that, and then trying to hit teams with a set play, or on the counter, which is why. Esselink is their top goal scorer because they're concentrating things on their set plays. On the other side, Agridas know that they have a very young, very agile, mobile team. So they attack a lot. So whilst Agridas are conceding a lot, they're also scoring a few uh, as well. So, for instance, their last game for Agridas, they actually beat Anorthosis 3-2. Yeah, I saw there was a shootout in uh, obviously Anorthosis. For those who are newer, by the way, they're only, they've divided into championship and relegation rounds. And once you've done that, you don't play teams outside of that. So Anorthosis yeah. is pretty much uh, the best of the worst this particular year. Um, or one of the best of the worst. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, the um, and the thing is with Agritas as well, prior to them going behind in that last game and then winning it, for the four games prior to that, they would go ahead and then lose the games. So all all of the last four, prior to them beating the losses, they would go in front and then lose the lead. Yeah, and I didn't know that. And that's just got to be especially heartbreaking because they also hadn't won any of their nine games prior to that. Exactly. It's yeah, got to just, 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 just destroy, just destroy your soul to try to think that you're on the edge of not reaching a double-digit losing streak and then blowing it over and over again. Yep, pretty much, pretty much. But yeah, I do How- see that their offense is a little bit, uh, maybe more diversified. I know that uh, they've got a really young guy uh, that I wonder how long he'll be there. Well, I imagine he would go back. Stavros Gavriel, am I saying that right? I know he's like only 21 years old. Midfielder? Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's on loan, loan from Applewell. Exactly, yeah. So Stavros, so uh, it's Ravril, but it's basically the Greek version of Gabriel. Yeah, kind of has that look to it. Yeah. So, yes, he's a, he's, he's a very good player. He's, he actually turns out for the uh, international under-21 team for Cyprus. Uh, and he's thought of very, very highly uh, in Abuel. 
Um, and uh, I think should the financial situation wor worsen at Apoel, then uh, I would see him next year actually playing a part uh, in the first team at Apoel. Um, yeah. So I think Esselink as well is on loan from, from Aboil. Yeah, I had seen that. Um, I knew that he was, I had seen what appeared to be incomplete information on uh, uh, Gabriel. Um, so I wasn't sure with him. I knew he had been affiliated with Apoel at some point. And then yeah. they, uh, they, I know they've got one, I don't want to say veteran, but only comparatively Javier Erasso. Uh, from yes. Spain. He was a guy that's, who spent a lot of time does. with one of yeah. the lower level or not lower league, but uh, kind of mediocre clubs over in La Liga Leganes. Yes, that's correct. So that, 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 we're talking about Agridas now because we were talking about Olympiacos. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I kind of bounced back and forth. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Uh, yeah. Erasso uh, has been pinpointed as the as kind of their main man, another one, uh, another one with quite a bit of experience because uh, Agritas have got the lowest uh, average age of the squad in uh, in the league. Oh, I'm sure uh, that helps what, keep their, since they're usually not in the top flight. I'm sure that helps with their expenses quite a bit. Exactly. However, they do have uh, another player called Abraham. I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's what's on his shirt anyway. I don't know if that's his first <laughs> name or his that's a good uh, guess or, then. or his surname. But 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 his name is definitely he definitely has Abraham on his shirt, and he's a very very experienced player as well. Um, but yeah, uh, the the exciting thing about Agritas is their younger players. So players like uh, Matias Clemente, uh, Vasco Gomez, uh, sorry Vasco Lopez. Uh, uh, there's 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 a few uh, players like that. They also have uh, a player called Torres who's on loan from Bafos. Uh, who last season he scored a f he scored a few goals for them last season to get them promoted. And if he goes uh, uh, if he goes back to Bafos, I mean he probably didn't he probably doesn't even have to switch apartments because that's that's in the vicinity of or in Bafos, uh the province exactly. or maybe even the city, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, they use the same stadium at the moment because uh, the Estadios Kiriagiris, which is the stadium that Pafos FC use, is the only one uh, that has the uh, <coughs> suitable criteria for the first division. All right. Well, now that uh, we've gotten a lot about those, first of all, I'm going to uh, interject here by saying that with, and I, I don't know what kind of device that is she's waving at me. It's got a pointy finger on the end. Person Noob is joining the interview. And she's Hello. waving, even though we don't have a, we don't have a camera view because this is mommy's old work computer. And hello, it's ancient. The, you remember Tassos talking to him before? Mm -hmm. Yes, our international friend from from Cyprus, raised in England, and now living uh, 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 somewhere in uh, somewhere in France, out and about. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's like Good moving problem. all over the United States, except you've got to learn a lot of different languages. But yeah. Works out about the same. That's like you moving from Iowa to here, which might feel like a bit of a language barrier because the accent here is very different where we are, isn't it? 
All right. So you have had a little bit of trouble, it would seem, as most of us do, in predicting uh, in predicting results. And we're going to go that again. And this time you're going to go head to head with Person Noob, who hasn't even been in here for the interview. She just literally walked in. So um, should I start? Do you want to do a game prediction first, a score prediction, or should we have Tassos go first? Okay. She's pointing at, at your name on the computer. So she okay, would like yeah, you I'll... to go first. How do you see this game turning out? Well, uh, I mean, let's go. Badly. <laughs> yeah, let's, for, for me, badly. But I want to go, I'm going to go true to form for, for both these teams. Uh, it's probably going to end up being a one all draw, <laughs> which helps neither team. <clears throat> no, the match uh, of disappointed often ends in a nil-nil draw, but 1-1 one, uh, one is the second most likely result, I think, for it, historically on this show. Exactly. So the reasons I'm going for that is obviously speaking of the kind of the uh, the way Agritas have been playing uh, with kind of the uh, scoring first and then conceding. So I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And Bert Esselink is going to score. And, yo, Bert, oh, I got it. <clears throat> How easy would it be for me in America to get a Bert Esselink uh, a jersey kit shirt? What do you what do you, what do you think? And I don't mean from you personally. I just mean in general. Oh well, I'm, I'm I'm sure that I'm sure they've got an online store. Oh, uh, oh, we got to check that I'll, out. Oh, oh, what I'll do is I'll tag the Olympiagos chairman, who's very, very, uh, he's very, very open on on social media. So I'll tag him in there and say, "Get this man an Esselink shirt." <laughs> I'll, <laughs> see, pay, I'll pay for it. I just want I just want Bert S. I'll take Bert Esselink person new before. If if we ever if we were ever to uh, if you were ever to have a sibling who is male or even female, I guess I guess maybe I shouldn't be exclusive in that regard. Maybe we should make his first and middle names Bert Esselink, or should we just get a third cat? She's shaking her. Should we get a third cat and name it Bert Esselink? I just I'm in love I'm in love with that name. All right, so <laughs> person noob. Uh, Tassos, uh, our MAPA or Cypriot uh, football expert, has said that these two teams in the matchup disappointed. We shake our fist at them. They're very disappointing. And I'm going to make that a real word. Uh, <laughs> he believes that it will go to a 1 1 draw. What are your thoughts? The last place team, Agridas, versus uh, second to last place, Olympiakos. Do you think either team will win? Will it be a draw? And what do you think the score will be? One to two. One to two. So she is going with an Olympiakos road win. Uh, she must have caught wind that Agritas have been, uh, you know, blowing a lot of leads. So she got a little bit of information here at the tail end. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, hearing hearing what the child uh, the child wisdom is going one two now. Do you wish to change your pick? <laughs> no, because Olympiakos don't score. They just don't score. So I'm st I'm st I'm staying with the one one. I'm staying with the one one. Yeah, they haven't scored in something like what three, four straight matches. I'm thinking. Uh, I've got to go back and look. Yeah, I know that the, before their uh, no one lost one to Doxa, uh, yeah. they had two nil nil draws. So I know it's at least three matches. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, you heard it here first, and maybe the only place where you will get both in a, a now 11-year-old. She celebrated a birthday somewhat uh, recently, just as you did. Um, Happy birthday. A MAPA expert and a uh, and an 11-year-old American uh, child. 
give their predictions on a Cypriot first division score, because that is what you people are tuning in for. Is that sort of juxtaposition, that dichotomy, if you will, is what makes the show so unique. And the only thing that pulls the quality of this show up typically, and at the very least into any degree of normalcy and with real football knowledge is our guest appearances from our friend, Tassos expert on the Cypriot uh, league. Remind us all once more where people can find uh, you and the show on Twitter and where they can find this is Mappa. Oh yes. So typing in the YouTubes, this is, and then M A P P A. Uh, and that should bring up, that should bring the playlist up of all the, uh, uh, all the podcasts that we've done. We've got videos up. We do reviews of the matches and we talk about the news, the background news that happens in the league as well. We've got interviews. We've had ex players. There's an interview actually coming up with, uh, a, a current player for Aris Limassol. That uh, is going to be uh, released some point next week. Oh, I'm excited um, for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's uh, my team right it, there. It's it, it it it's actually so yeah, the players Morgan Brown is uh is he, he, he scored two of what could be uh, goals of the season uh kind of near the beginning of the season uh very, look look out for that uh we're also on the on on your instagram if you if you're into that kind of thing uh Stel looks after the instagram account and the and the twitter account and they're all this is mappa uh i'm at flares gaffes so that's f l a r e s k a f e s uh on on twitter i don't think it's the same on instagram just, just rotate them around. Either one, you'll be able to find me. That is awesome. And just to, um, for any newer listeners, once again, I've mentioned this before. And, uh, you know, I try to ask some interesting and yet sometimes uh, uh, silly questions and yet based in fact. And, of course, if uh, any listener has made it this far as opposed to fast forwarding, actually is listening through the show, you know that we take a uh, we try to take a humorous and light approach to literally learning soccer as my daughter and I are doing the show, but for newer fans who are looking to really learn about the world game, you know, ours is a great starting point. We mix in some humor, a little sugar with the medicine sometimes. And then, you know, we try to get real guests on like Dasos, who has you know, graced us. I think this is your fourth, maybe fifth appearance, but shows like this is Mappa are just, they're very, very, watchable and understandable i mean it's it's designed for people who know something about the league but even i've been watching them and still find all the information very easy to digest tassos's stell show is the sort of show you know we hope you'll continue to listen to us but it's really the sort of show that we want you to graduate to if your interest happens to run european and specifically cyprus you know this is I don't know of any other place that's doing anything like what you all are doing. So, you know, thank uh, you for, thank, you, thank you for bringing some of that expert hood, you know, down, down to our neck of the woods and not just being American, you know, new, but even as Americans go being new to the sport. <laughs> uh, listen, listen, I, I get, uh, I, I don't, I don't do, I don't, I look, I'm not doing very well with compliments. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've lost my i've lost my uh you're getting I, old you I, had that you had that birthday and dementia it. setting in i think that's what oh, it is oh my oh oh dear oh dear oh dear 
<laughs> you got the Alzheimer's pretty soon. Your diet will go to heck, and then you'll get what they call in Southern America. You'll get the sugars. I think that's what they call the diet. The, the diabetes. You'll have so you'll have the uh, you'll have the all hammers and you'll have the sugars before you know. Oh it. no, can't can't have that, especially especially with Orthodox Easter tomorrow. I need to get that barbecue little. <laughs> oh, barbecue is that uh, is that pretty standard for uh, is that a standard Orthodox Easter dish? Oh yes. Yes. Uh, we have ham, and there's nothing wrong with ham, but no, oh. no, the, the barbecue, bar, barbecuing the, the pork and uh, chicken and lamb. Oh, uh, I don't even, and... need, I don't even need the sauce. Just having it cooked and sliced that way. Mm. Oh, and and the other thing is as well is flauna is is like a cheese type pastry. Is uh, is is beautiful. Oh, bread and cheese together. Do you have any idea how those would sell here in America? Tassos, we're going to make our million. I can feel it. I haven't even seen it or tried it, and I can already tell you it'll be huge. The one goal of restaurants in this country, particularly pizza and fast food, the only thing they have to concentrate on is how can we get more cheese into and onto the food. That's oh, it. Well, there you go. And and traditionally, it's made in like a wood, uh, uh, kind of a wood uh, fired ki- uh, clay kiln. So, is it a sweet or a savory? Would you say? Say, yeah. Uh, well, uh, either or. You can have raisins in it. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, when when you get raisins involved, that's when uh, the camp splits into two. Oh, really? That's kind of like pineapple on pizza over here, maybe. Exactly. Then. Oh, they're, 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 raisins or no yeah. raisins? Ooh, and and tell uh, us the name of that, or spell that once more, if you would. So F L A O U N A. Flauna. 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 Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that sounds as great as all the Cypriot football information has been. All the Mapa, I think that might be the most important thing that we can all take from all uh, from this is that if you're tired of Easter ham, do it Orthodox style and uh, get yeah. some bar- get some barbecue going. Oh. And uh, oh, I love lamb too. I've never had barbecued lamb specifically. I got to try that out. And then uh, Slauna. The next time we have a Cypriot match for a culture break, I'm absolutely going to give a recipe for and talk a little bit about Slauna. That's going to be wonderful. Slauna, it's an F. Oh, Flauna with an F as in father. Thank you. Gotcha. Oh, I don't want to mess that up. (laughs) Soft, Soft consonants are the bane of my existence. Tassos, this is Mapa. Cafe's Flares on Twitter. Uh, 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 dear, dear mentor and friend of all things football. Thank you so much for inexplicably <laughs> once again, uh, trying to develop some good karma in your life, I suppose, and appearing on soccer noob rocket America featuring person noob. Ah, yeah. Well, you know, all the bad things I've done, I need that karma. <laughs> <laughs> And that is a wrap on episode 131 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Thank you to, as always, to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry, to Dan, the Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations remain on fire. To my daughter, thank you so much for joining me for this and having your own segment and doing everything you do. You add the spice to this podcast and are the reason that probably most everyone tunes in. 
except for when we have a really great guest. So thank you as well. One more time to Tassos for for joining us. We appreciate your appearance so very much. And of course, thank you to you, the listener, for finding us, joining us, and hopefully for passing us on to your footy-minded friends if you liked the show. We hope you had a lot of fun. We'll do it again in a few days. Until then, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. But if you don't, here's your membership. Get out with LPP. Yeah, yeah.